Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hi, Stacey. Morning, John. How are you doing? Are you uh, safe and sound still in California, staying inside this day? Yeah, they let me out in the exercise yard for 45 minutes every day. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. In uh, Raleigh, we're we're sort of holding stable, but but watching the numbers rise around the the country, it's definitely um, a, a scary time, I think, for everybody. So um, we're we're staying, you know, in place here in the North Carolina space. Um, sun's shining, so you can't complain. Um, other than the little bit of uh, time I have to go out to do physical therapy for my ankle uh, surgery, I am doing well, but. Yeah, it, it we're we're heading back into what feels like another round of um, it's completely closing the doors for organizations, but definitely um, in areas like Texas or South Carolina or Florida, it's definitely I think um, and we're going to see more um, requirements for staying inside and wearing masks, hopefully, and reducing. Uh, organization sizes inside of buildings and stuff. So we'll, we'll see. It's, it's definitely heading into another scary time here in the, at least in the United States. How about you, John? I mean, California is starting to see rises as well, right? In the COVID crisis. Yep. Yep. Um, it's, it's a different world. People are, are more willing to be locked down to stay alive here than they are other places. There's, there's, you know, I live in a tourist town, and so so the weekends are full of idiots. Um, uh, but generally speaking, during the week, it's very quiet. People are going about kind of doing the minimum interaction with the world. And um, um, I think it's possible that, that in California we'll survive without the big catastrophe that other people have seen. But there's... There's stuff going on in the south around LA that 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 that, that um, is causing us worry up here in the north. Yeah. So, one thing about being a country and with all the open, you know, borders crossing, people moving from state to state, um, it's amazing to be part of the United States. It's also, you know, what happens to one part of us happens to all of us, right? It's like anything else that's this large and global and um, cross borders and hopefully we'll be able to um, as a country come to each of the individual states aids that are that are struggling right now particularly Texas but um, through all of this we're continuing to see business and work and even the stock market rising a little bit so, so it's sort of a weird confusing time I mean it's been confusing for a lot of reasons you know over the last several months including um, the the, the Black Lives Matter movement that's been going on, as well as the work that's going on in, you know, sort of trying to manage the economic downturn and, and people being um, out of work, as well as COVID. But it's, it's sort of odd to feel this sort of mix of business as usual along the same lines as the increasing um, pandemic crisis as well. I, I don't know. Are you feeling a little bit like you're sort of torn into two worlds? No, no, it's 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 not like that. But it is. Um, 
Well, one of the things that's really worth that's really worth just talking about a little bit here is none of our machine learning systems, none of them, were set up to deal with successive emergent phenomena, right? So disruptive events that happen once a uh, once or twice a century uh, just were never factored in. Right, and so and so the data the data gets really weird after you have an event like this, um, but we're having multiple, and there's no reason to think that we're not going to have a, a third or fourth um, disruption. Um, I saw I saw a, um, a note the other day that said, you know, you know, there's the quote that says, some weeks last for years and some years last for weeks. Um, and they're calling this um, um, time decadelets. So every every week is a decadelet, um, meaning meaning you get ten years worth of change crammed into the week. And we haven't really had to deal with that as a culture, and we certainly never anticipated dealing with that with our technology. So there's all sorts of stuff that doesn't work quite right right now. You know, it's all. Um, I think I think you're familiar with steampunk, which is which is this idea yeah. of high technology that's got a lot of patches in it, and so it looks very old-fashioned by the time you're done patching yeah. it. We're we're in a steampunk time frame. Um, wow! And I, I, I'm just envisioning our technology covered in, in sort of steampunk style clothing as well. So I'm just that's that's really wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I think that's I think that's what's going on, and and yeah. and we have we have a lot of people in our industry working their asses off to make it be what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, we're going to open up, uh, and that's that's. It's like opening up comes before getting it right. Um, yeah. And and I think I think we have to try to figure out what getting it right means because just reopening and just doing the things we used to do, you know, so there's an economic hiccup, you lay off people. That doesn't really necessarily solve the problem because we've got all this real estate and capital equipment that we have to rethink as part of the quote future of work. Um, and nobody's really doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was asking earlier when we were, we were chatting a little bit, you know, I haven't quite yet seen anybody running economic models just based off the assumption that human contact will be dangerous for the next year, maybe two, right? Um, and, and running those economic models would assume new businesses coming out of I think I think you'd said it best. I had said rethinking businesses. And you had said, you know, you no know, businesses will close and new ones will come open, right? And those businesses that are based off of a, a less human contact model, right? Um, we, that kind of analysis, I think people are almost afraid to do because they're just like, no, 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 we just want to, we want to get back to where we were. And like you said, we can't get back to where we were without thinking about how to do it right, right, to, safely. And, and with the understanding that this is not a one-time thing probably for most organizations and for our, our, you know, humanity as a whole, right? Yeah, so so I think um, rethink implies that you can take all of the existing puzzle pieces that you have and put them together in a new puzzle. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is the pieces. <laughs> the problem is the pieces. You have to you have to be able to be in a position to throw away the old business model in its entirety to build a new business model. And that's not that's not rethink. That is something harder than rethink. Um, and it's and, scarier. And yeah. It's it's scarier and most businesses aren't equipped to do it. Um and so so I think I think there was an early wave of layoffs and now um, we're starting to see pay cuts. Um and um and and so we're gonna it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird because you can't. You just can't take the same pieces and put them back together in different proportions, and still get the same result. Yeah. Right. And so and so so the problem here is it's not just the process that has to be revised. It's not just how we go to work, but it's what we do. Right. And and so so the goal for your company has to be a different goal than it was 120 days ago. Yeah. Different different goals you have to you have to get it to get it to be different on the very essence of how performance is measured. And not many, you know, Kodak wasn't able to do this. Um, and yeah. Kodak put a lot of money into into trying to solve this problem in a in a market driven environment rather than a catastrophe driven environment. But but Kodak wasn't able to do this. This is a very, very hard thing to do. Um and it's even harder still when you're disoriented from the continuing waves of crisis. Um and so and so so I go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I actually think this this is a, a conversation that fits not just with the pandemic, but it also fits with the the conversations we've been having about racism and about um, equality and justice inside of our, our communities and our work environments as well. I, I think what you're saying is that, you know, when you're faced with something that that a little bit of adjustment is not going to work with, right, which is what you're talking about, you have to break the system down and rebuild it. I think that's what we're hearing in that particular conversation as well. Um, you know, there were a couple of interesting articles that came out this week. Um, Workday was particularly um, called out for um, commenting that their black diversity isn't as um, deep as they would like to have it inside their organization, but they were willing to share their numbers, which we're not seeing from a lot of other tech companies in this particular conversation. And I think, as we're talking about those issues, systemic issues, right, that in our world, the way we think about um, justice and racism and and equality, uh, we have to re basically reconceive, uh, completely sort of um, readjust our thinking about how we start the conversation. And I think that's the same thing you're saying about our economic challenges and our and our work challenges as well, right? Yeah, so so I want to say something that is probably just going to sound stupid, but but I want to I want to take you one step further and go. Artificial intelligence was the first pandemic, and by that I mean the waves were AI, then the pandemic, then 
um, Black Lives Matter. So, so we're we've had three disruptions of this level. When it was just AI, um, and people said, "Oh, you have to rethink the way you do your business." Nobody understood what that meant. <laughs> nobody, nobody understood what that meant. But, but, but the pandemic started to make it possible to. To, for people to go, oh, we really have to rethink our business, and then Black Lives yeah. Matter, assuming that 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 we can figure out how to keep that issue in the limelight, is the third wave. Is the third wave, and um, people who don't get the message now are running dying businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That and that so, really is, I think. Yeah, the, the the conversation is what businesses will survive this versus what businesses won't, or what new businesses will come out of it, right? And and there's a lot of, of new stuff happening in news around this. I mean, I mean, um, before we dive into the news articles this week, I do want to make a, just a one call out because I think we, one of the people who has been probably pushing this kind of a conversation before it was even part of I think our overall. Um, dynamic because of, of the challenges that we've been facing the last several months was uh, Joyce Maroney from Kronos, who ran uh, Kronos' Workforce Institute for the last 13 years and before that was probably one of the leading people in Kronos who understood the impact of, of how tracking and managing time and attendance impacted employees and, and your, just your sense of what work was. Um, Joyce Maroney is retiring after 13 years, been um, many more years than that, I think, from uh, Kronos, from the Workforce Institute at Kronos Incorporated, and they'll be uh, having a new um, uh, head or executive come on board there, Chris Mullen, who comes from a background of research and, and analysis and, and stuff. But I just wanted to say, uh, I think, you know, uh, Joyce, who we haven't, um, I don't know if you knew her very well, but I, I got a chance to really get to know her at Kronos. She was talking about things like employee burnout and workplace absenteeism, um, boomerang employees, and the impact of four-day work weeks and the impact of equality inside of organizations long before it was cool or interesting to talk about. So just, just a, a, a quick goodbye to Joyce, um, and thank you for all of her hard work at the Workforce Institute at Kronos for that. So. Yep, I think Joyce probably changed the industry as much as anybody can. It was a it was a great ride. It was a great ride. So, what's in the mailbag? Well, along these lines, we also got some good research from another good friend of ours, um, Stacia Gar, um, and uh, who runs Red Thread Research, had launched uh, a really interesting bit of research on performance management in women. So tracking the, the, the overall sort of uh, approach organizations were taking to performance management and how it compared between men and women. Um, her research study was called Leveling the Field, Making Performance Management Work for Women. At the same time, she, they did a, sort of a subsequent analysis of how that was taking place um, over the last several months uh, through the COVID crisis. So much of what we were just talking about. Uh, so the double shift supporting women's performance during a pandemic. So we can definitely talk a little bit about that because it leads into a lot of the conversation that we had this week. Um, we had some uh, items from last week that we didn't mention that I think are worth maybe some conversation. Uh, ServiceNow entered up um, boosting its data center capacity in Europe. And as we start talking about things like data privacy and data standards, where 
data is housed is going to continue to be a big conversation. And ServiceNow is continuing to expand it, the idea that it is a very large global company wants to meet the needs of global companies. Um, we also talked a little bit last week about WorkHuman sort of reaching $1 billion status. But um, in this point of, you know, a rewards and recognition kind of tool sort of meeting sort of very large numbers in, a, in an industry that is struggling right now is probably worth having a conversation. And if we have a little bit of time, I think along the lines of what we were talking about, the idea of rethinking work, there, there was an organization that raised $7 million. Um, George LaRocca, a good friend of ours, had brought this forward, and I thought it was well worth mentioning that Armored Things raised $7 million for workplace utilization analytics. And, and George mentioned this is the fifth one from his perspective to deal with the um, similar kind of um, space and actual work sort of environment analysis type of technology. This one particularly sort of analyzes the use and capacity of your work environment and um, man sort of gives you insight into sort of resourcing and, and contact tracing and all the things inside of that 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 requires. And we're going to see more of this sort of technology that's tracking um, the environment as well as the digital side of the employee experience. Um, we also have WorkShield raising $4 million, which is um, in their Series A, which is a workplace harassment reporting app. Um, this particular, we had talked about this a while back, you know, were these, these kind of applications that we're going to get funding? Looks like they're continuing to get funding in this environment. Um, and then PwC's facial recognition tool criticized for homeworking privacy invasion. Um, all of those kind of fit into what we were just talking about. Re conceptualizing the idea of the work environment and the work that we're doing, right? So busy week still. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a there's a book in every one of the topics that you're talking about. Which one do you want to <laughs> open? Right, right there. Well, there, let's, there, let's, there are we've go ahead. I was gonna say I, it, it, there's a lot, but but maybe let's touch a little bit on um, the work that Stacia Gar did with. Uh, performance management and the difference between sort of how performance management is being addressed for women and men, but how did that change and perceptions change as we went into the pandemic? I mean, have you thought, you know, you were just talking about the fact that artificial intelligence didn't quite um, come to fruition the way we wanted it to. Our machine learning basically broke as we were heading into this pandemic, right? Um, and the artificial intelligence was maybe giving us answers that weren't quite the right ones. Do you feel that had a bigger impact on women, particularly, you know, in the workplace? Uh, I don't know about that, but but the dynamic seems to be um, you've got two earners in the household, you've got some kids, two earners in the household, and because pay quality is an issue, the guy always makes more money. So when you try to decide what's the right thing to do for income and dealing with kids when there's no school and all of that stuff, the guys, um, for for sheer financial reasons, the guy's uh, career gets to come first. So you end up with this crazy world of of women being sort of punished because they don't make as much money. And 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 I think it's happening everywhere. I think it's happening everywhere. And and it is a dramatic step backwards that we haven't even begun to think about yet. But but 
the double double shift. What that means is what that means is that that if you are in a family with children and you are the woman in that family, it's often the case that your life has just gotten dreadful. Um, with with huge huge requirements and and um, and if we're going to do this work at home thing in the way that people are suggesting, we have to address this particular problem really quickly. So it's fantastic that Stacia and Red Thread got the research to the table. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I I can remember conversations with my with my uh, my grandmother back in the day where she would talk about you know she used to go to work and with the, you know the baby on her hip, you know that that's just you know that's what you did. Um, and and I don't know that that has changed much in in the world we live in. You know, it's funny. I I was I, you know, raised my children, and 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 me and my husband made the decision that he would stay home for work. I I was I was the primary breadwinner in our family for many many years, and I think even though I was the primary breadwinner, there was still a perception. I think that this is a bit of the challenge for for women in our world is that even as the although. I financially wasn't making as much as other men in my field doing the work that I was doing, right? I was making more than my husband, but there was still a perception that I had to handle a lot of the details that were sort of more generally allocated to the females, right? The doctor appointments, making sure the groceries were bought, making sure the, the you know, financial elements were handled within, you know, the family, those kind of things, just because it was stuff that, you know, normally had fallen on my plate, even though I was uh, doing the additional work in, in the house. And I think that's also part of this problem is a perception issue for women as well, feeling like they they own what we, we oftentimes call the subconscious section shift. Your mind is always thinking about these things that you have to get accomplished or do for the family or for the household that doesn't seem to fall on the shoulders of anyone else. And, you know, the double double shift when you think about a pandemic environment is that you're doing your work every day at your at your you know home desk and the kids needs help with with their you know homework who do they go to and ask questions the you know who is that primary person who they would ask questions of those are the kind of things i think that stacia was pulling up in her research and and so this is a, a much more i think than just a, a sheer facts and data perspective conversation it's also a perception and a feelings and an emotional conversation as well and there's a bit of that from what i read and what stacia was talking about as well yeah how, how do you suppose we deal you know this is like this is it's like we have a thousand intractable problems on our plate right now how do you solve this yeah i, I mean I how do you solve be, this and um, how do, you know, I don't you, feel you like know, I, I would be comfortable saying I'm the smartest person in the world to solve anything like I don't think anybody. I think that's part of the reason why the research is so invaluable, right? The the solving of this yep. is a global conversation, you know, just like racism, just like social inequality, right? You know, these are conversations that whole um, communities have to have, um, and our technology and our um, the the images we see in the world around us and the perception of our bosses and the perception of our organizations all have to change, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of change to take place, right? Yes, 
is very challenging, a very challenging problem. And this particular one just compounds itself, right? The, the more overwhelmed and more tired any employee gets, the worse people's opinion of them gets. Um, and, um, and this is, when I think about the long-term consequences here, um, I think we're going to need to do a lot of work to repair what's getting broken here. Yeah. Agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I would have to agree. I mean, the, the repair work, um, it, in some cases, my, um, we will, we will see what the numbers look like when we come out of this. Um, I haven't looked through all of, uh, Stacia's research yet to see if she's got numbers on pay yet, but I am betting that as we come out of this, we will see that as pays were reduced across organizations, um, it will be interesting to see how those reduction in pay and the and and the and the economic loss that took place, how that played out across um, females and males, different race and ethnicities inside of you know our our organizations and our our communities, and my bet is that yes, that that we have taken at least a, a step, if not two steps, back in some of the progress that we made over the last several years, because when you are in crisis mode, it's much easier to fall back on old perceptions and old, you know, um, expectations. Well, you know, you know, if she's got a child at home, does that mean she's working less? You know, do I pay her less? That kind of thing, you know, compared to what we might do in other times, right? Oh, this is depressing. This is depressing. <laughs> Well, sometimes oh, it is blatantly is is tough to to deal with, but it's but it's real. It's here, yeah. <laughs> but I agree. Yeah, yeah well, is, you, you know, hard. you know, and this and this is going on at the same time that there are. It appears to be the case that the new model for solving staffing problems in a downturn is you have a small layoff that touches everybody in the organization, but just barely. And you said, but that gets everybody nervous about it. And then you come along and tell everybody's paid by 20%. You say, oh, oh yeah, I know you're scared about losing your job, but you can keep it if you just take a 20% pay cut. Um, that's happening. That's happening in big consulting companies. Um, and um, – what if, well, this is going to yeah. be such a grind. The next the next five years is just going to be a lot of digging our way out of a car wreck. Yeah, but but I think my my hope is is that and and I think that the light at the end of this tunnel, right? If you, if we are looking for light, is that when things like this have happened previously, I mean, the economic downturn of two thousand eight two thousand seven wasn't nearly as bad and didn't have all the other things that, that went around it. But, you know, similar things were happening, particularly those over 50 and, and uh, um, other, you know, um, categories of workforces were laid off in much higher percentages, you know, back in 2008, 2009. And, and it, we didn't really know that data until probably years later because we kind of had to look at all of the the stats and the numbers and to see who got brought back and all that stuff, right? 
And I think today we're going to have more data faster and more people looking at that data than we've had in the past. So I think, you know, you know as we start off the conversation about, you know, Joyce this, this uh, afternoon um, and her leaving and, and starting the Workforce Institute 13 years ago, I think that was probably a very lonely place for her. There weren't a lot of people having some of these conversations, I think today that is not the case. And so if there is a light band tunnel of that maybe we're gonna we're gonna see the issues earlier and faster, be able to maybe make adjustments much more quickly as we move out of it. Uh, that's my hope, John. So does that help you a little bit brighten the day but <laughs> well well yeah that, that sure sure it does. I, I mean another way of saying what you said is that um people analytics is going to become a major part of HR going forward. Yeah. A major part of HR going forward. And that, you know, I like that. I, I like the idea that HR is getting much more data-oriented and analytical. And so, so I'm all for that. That makes for a world in which we can use technology to solve drudgery and move people on to um, more interesting ways to spend their time. Yep, definitely. Okay. So, so not our usual cheerful show. <laughs> <laughs> but a good conversation and one that well, that was probably need to be happening. And, and, you know, I think as we're heading into what is a holiday weekend for money here in the States at least, um, you know, maybe an opportunity to think a little bit about, you know, how are you tracking this kind of information? How are you thinking about this kind of conversation inside your organization? So, so hopefully a little bit of thinking food for everyone this weekend. So, yeah, but a good conversation. Yep. Okay, Stacey, thanks. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, have a great holiday weekend. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumpter, and we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.